It's Pete Price's Extra, and we've got a special one for you. This is amazing. BBC One is going to have a one-off special at the end of this year from Dame Edna Everidge from her yacht. I was very privileged to interview Dame Edna a few years ago, and I would like to share the interview with you now. Picture the scene. He came in, Barry Humphreys, as Barry with a huge hat on, an amazing coat and a scarf. He took over from the moment he sat down, went into like a trance and became Edna. He led the interview. I had no say in what we were doing. And he finished when he was ready to finish. It was when he came to the Empire to do a show, which I'll never forget, because he came on on a hydraulic thing, which you couldn't see for the dress, and went up through the theatre to the very top and went, how are the poor people? And then came down. This is a piece of history. This is Dame Edna Everidge here on Pete Price Extra. Good day to you, my dearest Peter, and to all our listeners. I just can't believe you're back here. I saw your show at the Empire, which I thought was just stunning, and, and I think the audience is still talking about it. Peter, how long ago was that? Well, all I remember was the very end scene when you were on the crane talking about the people in the cheap seats at the very top, and then you went straight into the audience, and people were absolutely gobsmacked at this. Well, I think, darling, that since then I've done a little bit of television, and there could be a whole generation who think I'm a TV performer, when in fact, like you, I'm at my best in the flesh and blood theatre. Dear, isn't it lovely just looking at those faces? Yes, absolutely. And an awful lot of them. And what's happening about the florist? They're they're having problems getting the gladioli. Well, I, of course, love to give my audience beautiful gladioli because they're my lucky flower, Pete. But I grow them in Australia, but unfortunately the gladi crop has failed. They've been attacked by a horrible gladi worm, which is called thrip. Have you heard of that? Thrip. It's a funny name, is it? Thrip. And it attacks gladdies, it gobbles them up. I'm having to get them from local sources, and it's not easy. All the florists in Liverpool are pooling their gladdies for me because I'm not going to stint on my audience. As you know, darling Pete, all the profits of the show are ploughed back into gladdies. <laughs> What are your favourite coloured gladdies? Hmm? What colours do you like? Which are your favourite Oh, well, I really like the pink ones, the flesh pink ones, but I find red ones stimulate the audience. All kinds of colours, except blue, because they don't come in blue. Though a gladdy grower has grown a mauve one and named it after me. A Dame Edna? To have a flower named after you, Pete... Famous though you are, have you ever had a flower named after you? Not at all. Somebody talked once about a pansy, but I didn't... Uh, a I cauliflower, yeah. perhaps. Yeah, maybe, yes. <laughs> <laughs> are we going to see new gowns? Yes, darling. My son has been working night and day to create frocks, which, of course, are seen on the rest of my tour, seen in Manchester, seen in Birmingham and Bristol, but for Liverpool, something special. Do you know why? Because I feel there is something special about Liverpool. My manager, Barry Humphreys' grandfather, came from Liverpool to Australia in 1888. And that 
means a lot to Barry. Not that Barry means a lot to me. He's my manager. <laughs> and you know we have a bit of a love-hate relationship with our managers, don't we, my darling Pete? Can I ask you how much commission you pay to him? Or does well, you do it I love? pay him quite a high percentage. But then who knows what he takes himself. <gasps> I was talking to Sting. <laughs> Enough said, Pete. Enough said. I did notice that Barry had some scars around the armpit area. I said, how did you get that horrible? Looks as though someone had been chewing his arm. And I didn't. I found out that probably the till closed a bit suddenly on his arm. He must have been up to his armpit in it. Oh, I'm only joking. He's too nervous to steal from me. But the point of it is that we've spared no expense on this show. It's, there are lots of lovely dancers. Even Les Patterson has got the Lesettes. And does he need those lovely young women? I mean, he's really ghastly, don't you think, Pete? Well, can I ask, has Les had his suit cleaned at all for this particular tour? Yes, he's had it clean, but it does need another clean. <laughs> and there are stains that not even soap, soap can reach. It's like that ad for that beer, isn't it, that reaches parts of the body other beers don't reach. Well, I'm afraid the dry cleaner reaches parts of his suits that, well, I, I won't go on. I'm not going to continue with that. So analogy. we are going to see him then, are we? You'll see him. He, he's even worse, darling, even worse. I'm talking to Dame Edna. Oh, I know Pete, that, uh... and I'm here too in the studio. And Pete and I normally... Pete sits on one side of the desk and I sit on the other. Or his guest does, don't they, Pete? Yes. But he's just told me it's very, very rare that his guest sits on his knee. <laughs> and you're so cuddly, Pete. That beautiful diamond in your ear. Goodness me, you are a bit of a Liz Taylor lookalike today. It's a big one, isn't it, darling? Is that before the operation or after the operation? <laughs> I wear a little discreet jewellery. I noticed, noticed. I noticed. Belongs to the Queen, this jewellery. What, what, what do you do about sort of hotel security when you stay over there? Well, I have to leave. I wear it all the time. Unfortunately, these diamonds are so sharp, they rip the sheets to shreds. They do, but I wear it, and it was actually given to me by the... or lent to me by the Queen. I am looking after her jewels. Why? Why? Well, I said that to her. <laughs> I said, Lilybet, why are you heaping? I've got enough jewels. Why are you giving me these? You're pushing up my insurance premium. <laughs> she said, Edna, I don't want a single gem in the palace. I said, why? She said, and she said, please tell no one this, so please tell no one. No one, I promise you. She said, Fergie's coming back. <laughs> she said, I cannot leave valuables lying around. I just can't. She said, she'll be into them. She said, for a girl with simple tastes, she sure is expensive. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a bit of an exclusive for you, Pete. Now, what about Madge? Well, she is dancing and singing. Oh. In this show. The dancing, fine. The singing, I'm trying to discourage it. She sings under her breath. Her breath is bad enough. Can you imagine what the singing is like? But she makes her first stage appearance. And I'm doing this to keep her out of mischief. That's the first reason. And the second reason is, and this is very interesting, Pete, 
doctors have been to my show because a lot of people prescribe my show for depression. People who are a little bit gloomy get a prescription. It doesn't say take Valium. It says come to see me. They Medna. And so there'll be a lot of people on prescription tickets. But doctors have said that my show excites people too much. It stimulates Oh, people. I can understand that. And so they need to be slightly toned down before they go into the real world. Madge does that beautifully. <laughs> she comes on so soon as she does, people start feeling a little bit low. Because there's something about that woman's New Zealand personality. Oh, Pete, you're not a New Zealander, are you? I'm not, no, no. No, I didn't think so for a moment. You haven't got the tattoos. <laughs> <laughs> Though you might have underneath that lovely little skivvy of yours. Who knows what Pete has under that skivvy? <laughs> your, your thighs are so soft, Pete. I must get they off are. your knee. I really it's must. Like, it's well, actually, it's me on your knee. Oh, but you're, I thought it was Oh, confused. no, it's not. No, it isn't. <laughs> I'm cradling you in my arms now. Tell me, what an intimate show this is. Let me ask you about Madge. Is she actually jealous of you? That woman is immoral. She is jealous. She's cons- Do you know sometimes I come home unexpectedly and I find Madge wearing my dresses, miming to my CDs in front of the mirror, makeup all over her face like a fruit salad. It's sad. That woman... Wishes she was me. She never can be. Not in a million years. But I I rescued her. I'm a bit of a rescuer. I rescue my audiences. I rescue them from going elsewhere. Or watching. I mostly, Pete, rescue them from watching telly, which is exactly what you do, darling. We're both in the business. Of rescue. And we're both in the business of taking people away from the awful influence of television. If you notice, people who watch television all the time have no conversation at all. Their mouths hang open, rather like Mr Clinton's does. <laughs> have you ever seen a picture of him with his mouth shut? No. <laughs> Goodness knows. <laughs> However, the fact of the matter is that poor old... poor old Les Patterson, of course, he's... He's in a very, very bad way. You know, he looks a bit like a born-again Boris Yeltsin lately. <laughs> Though he does make people laugh. Uh, but where were we? What were we, 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 we were talking about uh, how well, Madge... Uh, oh, Madge. Really, you know, yes, well, she tones you. them down. She's yeah. jealous of me, yeah. that's right. Yes, that's right. I lose my thread sometimes. I know. Well, well let me, let being me off. so close to you. Sorry, let Incredible me... Incredible radio, isn't it, listeners? You can do almost anything while you're talking on the radio. But our business is to take people away from the telly and into the theatre because that's a community activity and it's something we can all do together. It's a bit like an orgy. You have had, in your TV series, um, which have been on all over the world, you have had so many big stars. None, I hasten to add, as big as you. But who have you liked? I've liked a lot of unexpected people. Lauren Bacall I adore because she's a feisty woman like me. I've liked Tom Jones because, well, who wouldn't? And uh, I absolutely adore Roger Moore. He's a lovely person too. The people who disappointed me, well, I'm not going to name names because I managed to get something out of all of them. But I want to emphasise that when I do a stage show, of course, it's nothing like my TV show. It's more like a musical. And I don't have celebrity guests. The audience is my guest, and I talk to people in the audience. 
And so it's a very different experience. Don't expect you're going to see a TV show. You're going to see something much, much more, more like a spectacular. And people, it's very sad, but when I did my show in Manchester, people were still sitting there when the cleaners came in. They couldn't <laughs> leave the seat. Even though the show was over, they were there in a dream piece. Have you experienced that with your own work? Not with my work, but watching you last time, I felt that I was in your home. I felt that I, I felt a warmth. A warmth. I was in the cheap seats, but I felt a warmth. I can make the cheap seats feel warm <laughs> because I don't think of them as the cheap seats. They're all people to me. And I shuffle them around and everyone is one of my special possums. I have to say, and you've made me drink two glasses of champagne on this show. Goodness, that's what I sound like. You sound so divine. I, I hope I'm making lady. sense. Yeah, you do Beautiful dresses, Madge Allsop, Les Patterson for those who like him, and even Barry Humphreys doing something rather, well, rather nice in the first half. So... It's something for everyone, I suppose. That's wonderful. And it's not often I come your way. You're right, and uh, as I said, I've been excited to you coming back to Liverpool. Just before you go... Uh, I haven't I know gone we can't yet, and no, I wasn't I don't... actually thinking of going. Oh, right, but... fine, that's marvellous. I just... No, I felt you're trying to get uncom... rid of me? No, I felt you were, felt uncomfortable with me now. Cause no, it's only because you've got a loose change yeah. in your pocket, and I'm <laughs> sitting on it. I'm sitting on something. Men in your life. There was only one man in my life, listeners, and that was my late husband, Norman. He passed away, well, about seven or eight years ago now, Pete, and I still miss him. As a matter of fact, I was in Australia not long ago at the cemetery, and I was buffing up his obelisk. <laughs> Funnily enough, he used to like me doing that when he was still alive. <laughs> because he, we had his... He died five times... Clinically dead, and yet he came alive again. So, when he finally departed, I didn't believe it. A bit like our audiences, Pete, when we finished our act, still sitting there. I thought there must be more. My husband, as you possibly know, was a very famous prostate sufferer. <laughs> yes. And the hospitals and the medical researchers said, could I donate his prostate for research? And I gladly did some years before he passed away. So he was a human guinea pig, and he was grateful for it. Didn't have much say in the matter, because by then he was not in the best shape. Bless him. But then I should have had warnings, because even when I first met him at a dance, he kept going into the little boy's room. He had waterworks problems then, and that got worse, more or less. We had to put a bed in there, in the bathroom for him in the end. It was up and down such a lot of times, bless his heart. But we had a wonderful relationship and we had three magnificent children. I say magnificent and I tell a lie there, Pete, because my daughter has been a disappointment to me. Valme is her name. She wrote a horrible book about me called Edna Dearest. And I've not spoken to her since. <laughs> and she's gone and left my life. And I'm told she lives in the Liverpool area. No. So, Valme, if you're listening to Pete Price, please get in touch. Pete, this could be a wonderful opportunity for you to bring mother and daughter together. We've been estranged so long. So, Valme, please, I'm at the Empire. Come and see me. Make yourself known. Let's be friends. As for the men in my life since, well, I've not 
had intimate relationships naturally with another man. I went through the process of grief very quickly. Funnily enough, <laughs> it took me about ten minutes. And then I felt a sense of relief because when you've had an invalid, and particularly when you've had a, a prostate hanging over your head for all those years, <laughs> it's relief at the end of it. And I felt, and I don't think Norm would mind me saying this, I felt a sense of liberation. And I've enjoyed my freedom, apart from having to support Madge, because I've supported her ever since her husband died under tragic circumstances. That was when they were in New Zealand on their honeymoon. The marriage hadn't even been consummated, Pete. And they were visiting a boiling mud pool. And, well, he tripped and fell into the mud pool and it was a dreadful, dreadful incident. I mean, it was seen by a lot of tourists, many of them strong swimmers, but not in boiling mud, unfortunately. <laughs> Swimming in boiling mud is a bit of a no-no. So that was the end of it and the end of Madge's marriage and the end of all her hopes. And, of course, I'm a softie. I felt sorry for her. I've supported her, and now I give her employment. You know, I pay her for appearing in this show. Really? Not much. No. I don't want to spoil her. But I've given her a credit card, which can be used in Oxfam shops. It's called a Famox card. <laughs> it's, it's not a very nice-looking card, but she can buy anything up to 50p. Really? Anything at all. She's so small. She bought a tea cosy the other day. She wears it as a cardigan. <laughs> Except, of course, there's not a hole for her head. Which is a bit of a relief, really. If you've seen her head lately, you'd be interested. Please to hear that news. Well, we were talking about men. I've got to ask you. Oh, because yes. I Henry want... Kissinger, yeah. I see a oh, bit right. of. Well, I've got to ask you. George got... Harrison. Yes. I've got to ask about this man you're with. I know you're not supposed to be with anybody, but I know there's a man hanging around you with a, a lovely brown hat and a scarf. A very well, that's my man. manager, Barry Humphreys. Oh, that's him, is it? Well, he's not there much. Ah. You know these managers. Yes. They take the money, <laughs> but they're not always there. In the end, it's a lonely job. He insists on appearing in the show. He does this sketch. As I say, it's quite enjoyable. He's a nice person, but greedy. Greedy. He takes a big percentage, and goodness knows, I mean... Can I ask you, are you, are you enjoying this, or are you getting bored yet? Because I don't want to I've take... never been bored. Oh, that's marvellous. I'm not bored. I'm very, very lucky. Every single day is a joy to me. Pete, I live a day at a time. I do caring and sharing. I, I share my experience, hope and strength with my audiences. And I'm only alive when I'm on stage. Television, I pretend to be alive. Radio, <laughs> well, if I'm talking to the Pete... Little Pete Prices of this world, I have a ball. And you know it, listeners, because if I was kidding, you'd feel it. There's nothing more sensitive than the radio. But I've loved this interview. If I say any more, I'll tell you some of the special secrets that I'm reserving for the night you and I meet at the Empire. Well, Dame Edna, I cannot believe that you're here. We've cleaned the What's city this? What? Your producer has just handed me a fax, a memo. Oh, Pete, this is lovely. Do you know what? Apparently, your ratings have shot up. <laughs> I, apparently, all of Merseyside and beyond are listening to this programme. In fact, statistics... What's this? 
Statistics prove that no one is listening to any other station and they've gone off the air. So that's a triumph and it must be you combined with me. What a twosome. Absolutely. I'm so flattered that you've spent so much time with us. Thank you, Peace, and lots of love to all my Merseyside listeners. And meanwhile, this is Dame Edna and... Peter Price. Thanking you for having us at your place.